Before we jump into the sermon for today, I just wanted to give a note about the sound. I'm filming in my home as usual, and our uh, back wall is fairly close to the neighbor's backyard, and they are having an outdoor celebration today, which is very fun to hear after two years of pandemic to have people outside having fun. But you may hear some of their sound bleed into the background noise of the sermon, which is out of my control. Hopefully it won't detract too much from your ability to hear and understand. With that said, let us contemplate God's word. In our sermon series, The Call to Be a Courageous Christian, we've been reflecting on how Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount can help us understand better the nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Understanding Jesus' teaching more clearly can help us be more courageous disciples in our own time. At the beginning of his earthly ministry, we see in Matthew 4, Jesus announces that the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven has come here to this earth. Thus, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew teaches disciples how to make the kingdom of heaven visible in their lives, work, and relationships. Last week, we spent some time with the Lord's Prayer. Praying the Lord's Prayer disciplines our conversations with God so that we might learn to care about what God cares about. Disciple and discipline come from the same word. Both are about learning. Disciples, or followers of Christ, are learning to seek the kingdom of God above all else. In the scripture for this week, Jesus picks up on the same theme of disciplining ourselves to seek the kingdom of heaven. The scripture is short, but chock full of pithy sayings that you have probably heard before, like, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, and No one can serve two masters. As you listen to the scripture reading, try to clear your mind. Imagine the disciples more than 2,000 years ago sitting at Jesus' feet and hearing these words for the first time. Let us listen as the words of Jesus are read for us. Today's reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 7 through 13 from the Common English Bible Translation. Stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth, where moths and rust eat them, and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven, where moths and rust don't eat them, and where thieves don't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how terrible that darkness will be. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. I have a little dish near my closet that's a catch-all for change. You probably have something like this too. 
The dish is mostly full of quarters, but sometimes other coins get in there, like this one. You might not be able to see it very well, but it looks like a quarter. It's the same general size and shape and almost the same weight. Here's a quarter. It even has a picture of an eagle on it, but it's gold colored in the middle. It is worth about 25 cents, just like a quarter. But with one of these coins, I could walk into a store in Santa Rosa and buy a pack of Juicy Fruit gum. Okay, it would probably take more than one quarter now. Uh, Juicy Fruit is not 25 cents anymore, but you get my drift. And the other coin is worthless here. Why is that? They're both money, aren't they? Well, what is money? The website for the International Monetary Fund says money is anything that can serve as a store of value, which means people can save it and use it later, like the little coins in my coin dish, smoothing their purchases over time. Money is a unit of account, so it provides a common base for prices. And money is a medium of exchange, something that people can use to buy and sell from one another. Money keeps us from living in a barter economy where we would need to trade a chicken, for example, um, for, I don't know, a haircut. Overall, money is an idea. It's a collective idea in society that a shiny little item is actually worth something. Basically, we all agree together that money is money. We all together have to believe in money for money to work. That's why I can easily spend a quarter in Santa Rosa, but have to go to Mexico to spend my five peso coin. Treasure is similar in that treasure is any object that we say collectively has value, like diamonds, gold, and other precious metals and gems. For example, if we don't all agree that diamonds are valuable, then they are just shiny rocks. Money is a product of our collective imaginations, but that doesn't mean that the effects of having or not having money aren't real. Money is necessary. Having money means security. Money gives access to basic necessities like food, clean water, shelter, clothing, health care, education, and transportation. Money opens access to safety, like the ability to choose a safer neighborhood to live in. You might remember when preaching about how Jesus heightens the command against murder in the Sermon on the Mount, I shared how low-income status is correlated with higher risk of being both a victim and a perpetrator of a violent crime. In general, living in poverty lowers health outcomes and life expectancy. So, if money helps us so much, why would Jesus come down so hard on storing it up? Remember that Jesus, in where we are in the scripture, Jesus has just taught the disciples the Lord's Prayer, which prays for God to bring in God's kingdom. And throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has painted a picture of the character of the kingdom of God especially in the Beatitudes, which show us that the kingdom of heaven is among and for those who cast themselves on God's grace, who have humility, 
who resist the temptation of earthly power, who are merciful and who hunger for right relationships with God and other people. In praying the Lord's Prayer, Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray for help participating in the kingdom on earth now, well, in their time, but now. They were, with God's help, to live into the reality of God's kingdom among them right then. Notice that the prayer says we are only to pray for what is sufficient. As Jesus says later, the earthly treasures are not meant to be stored up. Instead, they are meant to be shared. When we share, we participate in the kingdom of God. The implication is that we would do better to invest our money in activities that transform the world than in securities that protect our accumulated surplus. <clears throat> God provides us collectively with more than enough sustenance for living, yet some have plenty while others have very little. For communities without, to pray for daily bread is to pray for daily provision. For those with plenty, it is a reminder to be content with enough, not to grasp beyond our needs or hoard our treasure away. We are to share what God so bountifully provides. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where you put your money is where you put your heart. Your heart follows. Money is an individual and collective symbol that reveals our priorities and illuminates what we most care about. Jesus connects this thought not just to the heart, but where you put your eyes as well. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how terrible that darkness will be. One way to interpret his words about the health of the eye is to think metaphorically about the eye as a lamp that is shining on what you care about. If your eyes are fixed on God, then illuminating God's kingdom for others to see, then your eyes are healthy. If your eyes are fixed on something other than God and God's kingdom, then you will be living in terrible darkness. Theologians speak about the kingdom of heaven as an already and not yet. The kingdom of heaven has already come. Jesus' life, ministry, death, and resurrection have made it visible. Yet, the kingdom will not be fully realized on earth as we know it until, according to Matthew 24, we see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. We live in this already and not yet. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was teaching his disciples that in seeking the kingdom of God, our eyes are not meant to be fixed on treasures and money. Jesus presented his disciples and presents us modern-day followers with a choice to serve money or God. Living in the in-between time as followers of Jesus, our call is to learn to turn our backs on the old ways and live according to the values and practices of the kingdom of heaven. In light of our passage for today, a theologian writing on the theology of work asked the question, 
Is it wrong then to have a retirement portfolio or even to care about the material things of this world for ourselves and others? Speaking about not storing up treasures on earth, is it wrong to have a retirement portfolio or to care about material things? The theologian says that the answer again is both yes and no. The no comes from the fact that this passage is not the only one in the Bible speaking to questions of wealth and provision for those who are dependent upon us. Other passages counsel prudence and forethought, such as from Proverbs, those who gather little by little will increase wealth, and those who leave an inheritance to their children's children. Um, in Genesis, God guides Joseph to store up food for seven years in advance of famine. And Jesus speaks favorably in the parable of the talents in Matthew of investing money. So in light of the rest of the scripture, Matthew six nineteen through 24 can't be a blanket prohibition. But yet the yes part of the answer is a warning, which we get summed up for us in verse 21. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We might expect that this sentence uh, to go the other way. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. But Jesus's actual words are more profound. Money changes the heart more than the heart decides how to handle money. Jesus's point is not that you tend to put your money into things that matter to you, but that the possessions that you own will change you so that you care more about them than about other things. So he's suggesting we choose carefully what we own, for we will inevitably begin to value and protect it to the potential detriment of everything else. Money is a collective idea. A quarter is worth 25 cents because we collectively agree that that is the value of this shiny little circle. Because, because money works only as a collective idea, money then theoretically exists for the benefit of everyone. But that's not really how we live. Contrary to Christ's teachings and all of the Old Testament prophets from biblical times up until now, we collectively behave as if we're okay with a wide disparity of wealth in the world, with some storing up treasures here on earth while others go without. For followers of Christ, this is where the courage part comes in, with trusting that God provides enough for everyone. And in our lives, we must seek the kingdom of heaven. We must cast ourselves upon God's grace and offer that grace to others. We must learn to be content with enough and to share. We must pay attention to meeting people's genuine needs. If we are in a position lucky enough to have accumulated any wealth, we can then invest and spend our money in ways that work towards promoting the values of the kingdom of God, then money and wealth becomes a tool working for God's kingdom. This is not a perfect solution. It's a very human solution and it is not a perfect one, but it is a place to start. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he doesn't ask us to be perfect. He asks us to follow him. He knows that we will mess up along the way, and he has already forgiven us.
He has promised that the coming kingdom is a time of shalom or peace where all will be well and all will live and thrive. But we are called to courageously live as if the kingdom of heaven is among us now. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen.